0: Church, I'm telling you, the day is upon us and we're going to be turning off that TV and we're going to be turning off those iPhones and anything else you've got and you're going to take the word of God into the prayer closet and shut the door and say, Lord, I'm not coming out until I've got an answer.
1: Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. Author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the word of God.
0: Sometimes friends appear from the strangest places while those you thought were friends disappear in your time of need hi and welcome to life talk i'm jeff wickwire and thank you for joining us today we're continuing the series the unsung heroes of the bible where today we're going to be talking about how god gave the prophet jeremiah a friend from an unexpected place in his hour of greatest need you know the bible is filled with true soap opera type dramas and today's message is certainly one of those kinds of stories The prophet Jeremiah has been thrown into a terrible dark pit for telling the truth to God's people about approaching judgment. It looks like his life is over when suddenly, out of nowhere, a sympathetic figure emerges from the shadows to save his life. His name is Ebed-Melech, who happens to be yet another unsung hero from the pages of Scripture. So grab your Bible and follow along as I share the message, Ebed-Melech, a friend from nowhere. let me talk to you about this incredible story, give you a little bit of background. The setting for this story is that after many months of being surrounded by the Babylonian army, food supplies had become scarce in Jerusalem. Now, Jeremiah the prophet started preaching when he was a teenager. You remember in Jeremiah chapter one when he was called, and he said, Lord, I'm too young. Who am I? And the Lord said, don't you dare say that to me. I'm going to put my words in your mouth and so on and so forth. Read him the riot act, and he was launched into ministry. He's now an old man. He has been preaching to a reprobate, apostate, backslidden nation for decades. They haven't listened to him. He has said, you better repent. And if you don't repent, God's going to bring judgment, and you're going to be taken into captivity. They didn't listen to him. They put him in the stocks, they mocked him, ridiculed him. He was never married, he was a lonely man his whole life. God would not let him marry. He was rejected, decried, his writings were burned by the king and the princes of the land. Nobody wanted the word that Jeremiah had because it was the word of God, and when you are in a backslidden, reprobate nation, they never want to hear the word of God. So. Now Jeremiah is seeing with his very own eyes what he has predicted would happen his entire life. He is seeing the nation surrounded by armies. And it's the Babylonians, and they are about to take them into a 70-year captivity for their sin. Jeremiah had a message, and the message was this, surrender or you will die. Well, the princes of the land didn't like that. They had no idea that the sword of judgment was hanging over their heads. They did not believe it. They did not accept it. And I'm going to tell you why. They believed that they were entitled because they were God's people. They had an entitlement mentality. He may judge others, but he's not going to judge us because we're his chosen people. And really, we're not doing anything wrong. But they had utterly departed from God. So because they had this entitlement mentality, they didn't believe his warnings. Remind you of any nation you know of? So the king's men got very angry with him. They didn't like his surrender while you still can message because they thought they were going to somehow defeat this massive Babylonian army, and they didn't have a chance. And so for this message, surrender while you still can, He was thrown into a dungeon. Jeremiah, an old man, has ropes tied around his armpits and he's lowered down into this terrible cistern or well. He was let down into a pit that used to hold water. We would think of an old water well. It was bigger, but same idea. And he's lowered down. It used to hold water, but now it's feet deep in mud. Jeremiah sunk in the mire, the historian Josephus tells us, up to his neck. If you can imagine such a feeling, you're being lowered down into this black pit. There is no one for you at that moment. You know that this is it. This is the curtain call. If God doesn't deliver you, this is it. This is the way you go out. His feet hit the mud, it starts traveling up his legs, up his chest, and finally it's up to his neck, and then it stops, his feet hit bottom. What a feeling. What a nightmare. Why? For preaching the Word of God. That's it. Just for standing for God. Some think that it was at this time and in this place that Jeremiah recorded his prayers to the Lord, recorded in Lamentations chapter 3. Verse 55 says, I call on your name, Lord, from the depths of the pit. Help me, God. You're my only help. And that's the way pits are. That's the way deep wells are. That's the way it is when you're in a horrible pit and there is no way out but God. And some of you in here today are in a horrible pit. and There's no way out but God. But can I tell you, I got good news for you today. There is a healer in the house and there is a deliverer in the house my god specializes in drawing people out of the pit i call on your name lord from the depths of the pit it was clearly such a deep pit very deep that jeremiah would have certainly perished if he had not been delivered and this is evident from the fact they had to use ropes to let him down they couldn't just grab him by the hands he had to be lowered in it took time for him to hit the bottom this is bad Here he is. He can't move. His legs, his arms, all the way up to his neck are covered in this mud. There's no light. He can look up. He might be able to see light at the very top, but there's no sympathizers up there until out of the blue comes a friend from nowhere. Have you ever noticed that when you're in real trouble, God is able to bring somebody your way who you never expected? I mean, all of a sudden, there's a friend from nowhere, and you realize that God uses people. God finds somebody to reach out and help you in the situation that you're in, and there is this friend from nowhere, and it is at this time that this unknown nobody named Ebed Melech, the king's slave, stepped into the picture to help Jeremiah. Now, this Ebed Melech is an unknown, unnamed, unsung hero in the Bible. He was a Cushite. The Bible says he was Ethiopian. So this man was a black man. He was a black man. And Joseph, the historian again, tells us he was a great man. This ebed melech he was a great man in high office of great authority because he had direct access to the king. He could go to the king and speak to him. And if you didn't have the authority and you did that, you died. That's the way they were in those days. So this Ebed Melech, this black man, this Ethiopian, who was a slave to the king, hears of what has happened to Jeremiah. He hears of his plight. He had heard that Jeremiah had been put in the dungeon, and some believe that he might have even been able to hear the groans of this poor old man because he was near the dungeon. The king that he waited on was at the gate and the gate was near the dungeon where Jeremiah had been lowered. So very strong chance he heard this poor man's cries. I call on your name, Lord, from the depth of the pit. I'm in a pit. Please help me, God. Can you imagine hearing an old man pray from the bottom of a well? Can you imagine that? Even though Ebed-Melech was just one of many servants to the king, he now steps onto the pages of history for several key reasons. And I want us to see these reasons because I'm telling you, there is such a picture here. Believe me, church, God never wastes a word. Whatever is in his Bible is for our learning. Paul told us the things written in the Old Testament are for our learning in the New Testament. There is a message there for us today. And when I look at this man, Ebed-Melech, his story just shouts at me several things that I know that God wants to characterize his church today. The first thing that distinguished him is he was a compassionate man. He was compassionate. Have you noticed how people in our country and our world are getting so hard-hearted, cold-hearted? Did you know that Paul warned that in the last days, men's hearts would so depart from God that they would lose all natural affection? Did you know that the Bible predicts that as the coming of Christ draws near, that men and women are going to lose natural God-given affection for children, for each other, for life? And yet I see this man, Ebed-Melech, and when he hears the cries of Jeremiah, and hears what has happened to him, he's moved with compassion. His heart is touched. And there was no personal compelling reason for him to show the concern and the compassion that he displayed. Ebed-Melech was a Gentile and Jeremiah was a Jew and those two didn't have anything to do with each other in those days, all the way up to the days of Jesus. And yet he was moved with compassion. He reminds me of the good Samaritan. In Jesus' parable, and you remember there was a man wounded and bleeding in the road, and he was Jewish, and Jewish people were walking by him. Jewish travelers on the road walked by him one after another and didn't do a thing to help him. Their hearts were not moved. But then came a good Samaritan who was a Gentile. And this Gentile looks at this Jewish man and whereas normally they didn't have anything to do with each other, in Jesus' mind, Jesus was giving us a picture here. He said, this good Samaritan, his heart went out to this hurting, bleeding man and he dressed his wounds and picked him up and carried him to a hotel and gave him a roof over his head and took care of him. And Jesus was giving us a picture of what a normal, healthy person would and should do. And I believe further than that, he was giving us a picture of what his church should be like. We should be a people moved with compassion. That just comes naturally. We don't have to say, oh, God, help me to care. We hear of someone's pain. We hear of somebody being in a pit and they can't get out. And we say, Lord, my heart is going out. I have compassion on this person. I can't help but think of Jesus himself who time and again, if you read the Gospels, time and again, you will hear these words, he was moved with compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion. And when he was moved with compassion, it greased the skids for a miracle. Compassion with Jesus often preceded a miracle. The Bible says faith works by love best. Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw the hungry multitudes who were like sheep having no shepherd. And the Bible says he looked at them and he was moved with compassion. The poor leper with the terminal disease, eating away his body, came up to Jesus and said, help me, help me. And it says Jesus looked at him and was moved with compassion. This Ebad melech is a picture of the heart of Jesus. When we hear of somebody in a pit, we ought to be moved with compassion. Not judgmental, not snooty-nosed, not religious, not, well, I'm glad I'm not that way anymore, but moved with compassion. Our hearts should be moved with the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you, there are people who are trapped in pits all over this county and all over this city. And the heart of Jesus right now is being moved with compassion. And what's he looking for? He's looking for a church that will be likewise moved with compassion. And because of that compassion, it accentuates our faith. And we see miracles. It was Jesus who taught us to visit the sick and the imprisoned. He said, "Inasmuch as as you have done it to the least of one of these, my brethren, you have done it to me. I want you to have a heart for those in prison. I want you to have a heart for the sick. I got a letter from a woman who is in prison for life. And I don't want to give much of it away. I'm going to have it narrated. I'm going to show you her picture. They found our radio broadcast. And now there's a whole group of women in this prison who are gathering to listen to the word of God from this church. And I got to tell you, I'm going to read it to you. But Jesus said, I was in prison and you visited me oh yeah but watch this now he not only had compassion it didn't stop there but his compassion moved him to action and it says he powerfully interceded so he had compassion that compassion moved him to action and the action produced intercession On hearing what had occurred, the Ethiopian went straight to the king. And I can't read that without telling you, I see a picture here. He went to a king who was flawed. He went to a king that didn't know the Lord. He went to a king that was just another human being. But church, we've got a king we can go to when we know about somebody who is in a pit who is not flawed, but he is perfect and he is powerful and he is waiting for compassionate people to bring the cause of the hurting into the throne room of God. So when I read this, I want you to be thinking New Testament, New Testament, New Testament. On hearing what had occurred, the Ethiopian ebed Melik went straight to the king and said, quote, my lord, O king, these men have acted wickedly and all they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, whom they have cast into the pit. And he is dying of hunger on the spot, for there is no more bread in the city. Now notice his words, because here is a snapshot of intercession. First, he explains the enemy's plot. Wicked men have unfairly attacked the prophet Jeremiah. That's the enemy's plot. Wicked men have attacked him unfairly. He hasn't done anything wrong second, he exposes their ploy. They've thrown him into a deadly pit, O King. They don't just want to get him out of the picture, O King, but they want to kill him. They want to murder him. They want to assassinate him. And so, O King, I want you to know, not only is there a wicked plot against him, a satanic assignment against him, but there is a ploy the ploy is to get him into a pit that he can't get out of the ploy is to get him into a pit from which there is no escape from which there is no extraction from which he will never ever reappear the ploy is to kill him and then he went further and he expounded on jeremiah's plight he's dying on the spot o king he's dying on the spot i'm bringing to you his cause he can't come to you himself cuz he's in the pit But I can come to you because I'm not in a pit. Are you hearing me today, church? See, I can come to you because I'm not in the pit. He's in the pit. And I'm coming to you and I'm telling you, here's the plot. He has been attacked by wicked people. Here's the ploy. They're trying to kill him. And here is his plight. He's dying while we speak. Oh, king, he's dying right now on the spot. And the result is this king's heart was moved to act. What a perfect picture of intercession before the living God. Church, I want us to catch this today because there is so much power in this room with God, and if we could understand it, it would change our life. We need to get to the place where we go to God and we say, let's imagine we're praying for America. We go to God and we explain Satan's plot against this country. Lord, this country has come under the attack of a wicked enemy. This country is in the grip of a wicked attack. There has been a satanic assignment against this country or you've got a loved one and you come in the presence of God and you say, Lord, the devil has targeted this person I love. There is a satanic assignment against their life and I am coming to you, first of all, Lord, to to bring their cause and their case to you. And then, Lord, I want to tell you about the ploy. The ploy has been to get them into a pit from which they cannot get out. I look around me and I see people Trapped in pits from which they cannot get out all the time. Trapped in drugs. Trapped in alcohol. Trapped in immorality. We are living in an enslaved nation. We used to call it the land of the free, the home of the brave. Now it's the home of the bound and the home of the enslaved. Satan has come against this country in a way I never thought that I would see. But we've got a God we can bring it to. We can bring the enemy's plot. We can bring the enemy's ploy. And we can bring America's plight and say, Lord, they're going to die without a deliverance. This nation is done without a deliverance. Lord, you are our only hope. And I look to you, Lord God, if this wicked king's heart could be touched and moved then God's heart will be moved and touched by prayers that we pray. It is not too late. I'm telling you, there's only one hope for this country, and it's not political, and it's not financial. It is spiritual. It's going to take a move from God. But what power, when we put on this mantle that ebed Melik had on him, and we go to God and we say, Lord, here's the plot, here's the ploy, here's the plight. I'm asking you to move, oh God. And I also noticed that Ebed-Melech spoke to the king very freely. When he went up to the king, the king was surrounded by his men. He did this in the open at the gate of the city. He was very bold on behalf of the bound. And Hebrews 4.16 tells us, here's the way we're to approach God let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us in our hour of need. He didn't say you might. He didn't say maybe so, perhaps so, hope so. He said you will find grace to help you in your hour of need when you come boldly covered in the blood of jesus walking as a child of god right into the throne room to daddy god and you say god i've got something on my heart there is somebody i know who is bound it's my husband it's my wife it's my children it's my neighbors it's my nation and i'm asking you lord to hear me and if this wicked king could hear even me we can be heard by the living god it's one thing to have compassion And it's another thing to do something about it and to be driven to action and then to go into intercession. Church, I'm telling you the day is upon us when we're going to be turning off that TV and we're going to be closing that People magazine and we're going to be taking that phone off the hook and turning off those iPhones, laptops, Blackberries and anything else you've got and you're going to take the Word of God into the prayer closet and shut the door and say, Lord, I'm not coming out until I've got an answer. On hearing his deep heartfelt intercession for Jeremiah, the king was moved to do exceeding abundantly above all that Ebed-melech could have imagined. He said to him, "Get this," he said, "I'm touched. Here's what I want you to do. Take 30 men with you and lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon before he dies." That's the power of intercession. And will not our God release 30 of his mighty angels in answer to our prayer if we will come to him and say, Oh God, move again. thank God that while others may fail us, He is able to pull in the slack by providing a friend, sometimes out of nowhere. I don't know about you, but I've certainly experienced this a few times in my own life, and it's just another reminder that God can appear in our lives from the most unexpected places to help us in the hour of need. And let me take a minute to thank many of you, our Life Talk listeners, for being that kind of friend in your prayers and financial support. Your help is a continual encouragement to us as we daily reach out to every state in the Union through this radio outreach. If America needs anything, it needs the Word of God. So again, thank you for standing with us. Now don't go anywhere, because we've got some exciting things to share with you I know you'll want to hear. And don't forget to visit us at our Life Talk website. Just go to lifetalkradio.us, that's lifetalkradio.us. You'll learn there how you can financially help us in our outreach, and we'll also have access to all of our podcast message archives. Be sure to join us next time as we continue with part two of the message, A Friend from Nowhere. Until then, may God's rich blessings be yours. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff, and if you appreciate the straightforward Bible teaching you hear on Life Talk Radio, you can help us continue to be a voice of truth on this station. Call toll-free at 877-884-3111 or go online to lifetalkradio.us anytime, day or night, and make a donation to empower Life Talk to continue transforming lives with the power of the gospel. Call 877-884-3111 or go online to lifetalkradio.us and give your best gift today.
1: A Friend from Nowhere is the third message of Pastor Jeff's series, The Unsung Heroes of the Bible. You can own a copy of this 10-CD set for just $50 plus shipping log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll free at 877-884-3111 get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series the
0: unsung heroes of the bible for only $50 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll free at 877-884-3111
1: for more information You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111.